What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining me. Glad to be here. This is post day after Thanksgiving. Going to get this episode up a little late. A lot of things going on. I was, uh, I'm in California. I'm in Los Angeles, uh, having some fun. It's actually been just crazy busy here, going one thing to the next. I didn't really do much for Thanksgiving. Went to my brother's house and then Enc- went well, his house. He lives in Long Beach. I went to Encino last night because I tried to go to Fogo de Chao. Nice, you know, chain restaurant, but a decent you know, chain restaurant. Brazilian Steakhouse right downtown LA. Quick walk to the hotel. Had plans to go there. Have a little fun. Had a reservation. I literally lived a Seinfeld episode last night. That's what happened. We uh, we go there and have a reservation for 6 o'clock. Lines out the door. I mean, just crazy people all over the place. And I'm like, holy shit, this can't be all these people for reservations. I must just be waiting to get in. So we go and check in. 30 minutes later, we're still standing there at 6.30. And as we walk back up to check in on our table, like, hey, maybe we'll see what's up. Couldn't even get in the restaurant. There were so many people now. And a guy was trying to do what I was doing, trying to get in and check on and see what's going on. And ask a guy next to him, says, hey, are you, are you in line? He's like, oh, we have a reservation too. I was like, oh, shit, all these people have reservations. So the restaurant just overbooked themselves like crazy, thinking people would be like L.A. classic flakes and flake out. But it's like, look, man, if you're making a reservation for Thanksgiving, I don't think that's something people are going to flake out on as much. This isn't like an improv show, okay? This is like a real, this is a holiday that people are planning to come eat. What do you think was going to happen? So just out of frustration and being pissed, we left because it's like, okay, now I'm annoyed. I don't want to patronize your restaurant not that they need my money okay it's not like i'm leaving they're gonna be fine obviously so it's whatever they're probably glad we didn't show up but it just got to the point where it's like i don't want to i'm in a bad mood now i don't want to come in there and i'll give you all this money and so fuck it so we immediately left went back to the hotel grabbed some supplies hopped in an uber went to encino and had a nice little uh friendsgiving my brother and some of his friends mutual friends up in encino so that was cool random side thought i know uh We'll get to like, so I'm sure people saw markets were crashing today on Black Friday. It took a huge shit. New variants coming out in South Africa. I mean, I feel like this happens every couple of months now. Just aside, we'll get into that in a little bit. I'm just kind of, I want to discuss my Thanksgiving fucking Seinfeld episode. But yeah, waking up late. I mean, the one thing I will say too, being on the West Coast, I forget how much I don't like the West Coast time zone for stock market. When I lived here, I remember, I'm like, wow, I'm getting really bad sleep because I'd get up at like 6 a.m., check the pre-market. I mean, markets now, markets on the, on the West coast start at 6 30 AM close at 1 PM. It's so annoying because as soon as you roll over in the morning, you can check the market. Or if you're staying up late enough, you check pre-market before you go to bed. So you're either like feeling good about the next day or stressing while you go to sleep. Like no wonder everyone on the West coast is doing blow. You never go to sleep. You stay up late for pre-market, wake up early for the actual market done by one, go to after hours, happy hour with your colleagues, keep it going, do it again. It's like, man, no wonder makes sense now. It's all coming together. My favorite time zone for this for the stock market is the central time zone. 8.30 to 3. That'd be perfect. But whatever. Here we are out in LA. It's been nice. It's been nice to be back in California. It's confirmed I don't want to live here again. I love to come back. I love to visit. It's been great to go to a lot of restaurants uh, that I used to love. And actually go to some new ones too that I haven't been to. Uh, that's been amazing. But it's LA is it's too much now. I mean, of course, it's always been expensive. But now the danger is really, it's a real thing, you know? I mean, even standing outside of Fogo de Child last night for 30 minutes, I mean, we saw three people run red lights blatantly. One guy just drove by on a dirt bike, doing a wheelie, 
no helmet, no lights on his bike. It's it's dark. It's six o'clock. You know, it's dark out. He's going down Figueroa, right through the main pipeline of downtown L.A. on Thanksgiving Day, Mad Max style. In his, on his dirt bike. And just like, and just blatantly runs the light, does a wheelie through the light, through the red light. And it's loud as hell. This dirt bike just reverberating off these walls, like these huge buildings downtown. It was so Mad Max. It was hilarious. And you got, of course, you got the homeless people walking by left and right. There was a really nice homeless man from Guatemala that came up to me and said some nice things. Uh, Well, came up to us and said some nice things, not just to me, but uh, sweet man. But the rest, I mean, holy shit. I just, uh, it's getting worse and worse. I, I feel like downtown LA it's like you know you go around their country and you see homeless people but when you come to LA it's like the homeless are next level desperate and sad I mean I, I ride the train here I know people don't really because I see why when you ride them it's pretty shady <laughs> but I mean I took the train to go get some burgers up by Union Station the other day and I just saw a guy just pissing uh not on the train but just on the bench like just he was just by a bench standing next to it and I thought he was just like he was just standing there yelling all cracked out and like, why is all this like liquid? I'm like, oh, he's peeing. He just pulled his dick out and was just peeing on the floor and then was like standing in it because he was all, he was so out of it. I don't think he even realized what he was doing. So it's like, it's next level here. Like I call downtown LA Sid's backyard from Toy Story. It's what it looks like. It's fucking crazy. And to sell out to pay all that money. And there was a comic that got gunned down here early last week, like Sunday night. There was a comedian here in LA. I mean, the, the the description of the kid, it's like, I, I don't think I ever met, I'm sure I crossed past them, but I don't, I don't know him, I don't have a story with them, so I'm not going to sit here and say I know him, but it's incredibly sad. I mean, this kid moved here from, I think, Florida, and, you know, just, he got he got robbed, I mean, he, I don't think he got robbed, but he got, it was a robbery, armed robbery, I don't know if he was in the, if he was the victim or was just a bystander, but he got gunned down, just going to a convenience store, a Sunday night. I mean, I've done that hundreds of times in Los Angeles. I did it last night. I mean, so it's just, that's like the true nightmare when your kid moves to LA or something. Like, you worry something's going to happen. All right, I have to close this fucking window. The city is so loud, but I can't, hang on. All right, back. I had to close my window. I've been leaving my window open in my hotel to get a little fresh air, but it's so goddamn loud outside all the time because you got every douchebag riding their, you know, Dodge Charger, revving it up, driving their Lambo, revving it up. It's annoying. Uh, but it has been great here. I complained about... I just don't want to live here for all those reasons. But I do love the weather. It is nice. Restaurants are amazing. I've had the best burgers of my life at Amboy Meats up in Chinatown, downtown LA. If you haven't been there, go check it out. It's the best burger you'll ever eat in your life. Before that, I will say it was Gordon Ramsay's Burger Restaurant in Vegas. That was the best burger I'd ever had. Alvin at Amboy Meats wins. Alvin, by the way, famously the founder of Egg Slut. I'm sure people have heard of that. That trendy... Uh, you know, breakfast restaurant. He started the food truck. I think me and my buddy Josh, when we went there this last week, we're uh, kind of trying to figure out what happened with that. Like, I think he, he started Egg Slut and I think he sold it to a big company, like a corporation, and they just ran with it because now they have locations like all over England, Singapore. I mean, there's Chicago, New York, LA. And I'm like, oh, damn, he must have sold. I mean, he probably sold it for like a couple hundred thousand dollars. And now it's like a multi million dollar empire. I mean, he probably like that's got to feel like selling Tesla, you know, in 2018 or kind of like when Apple didn't buy 10 percent of Tesla back in the day. It's got to feel like that probably where it's like, oh, or he's like the he's like the the famous Apple third co-founder who sold like 10 percent of his shares for like 800 bucks or something crazy back in the day. 
And like if he was if he'd never sold that, he'd be the rich. I mean, I don't think he'd be as rich as Elon, but he'd be close. He'd probably be richer than Bezos, which is nuts. So it probably feels like that a little bit. Um, but he just after he sold Egg Slut, he went to New York City, focused on burgers, the simplest thing, and he does them well. He's also like a meat dealer. If you want to get like Wagyu steaks or like the Snake River Farms, all those like, I mean amazing steaks, he's got the hookup. So. And he uses his ground ribeye in one of his burgers, a DH burger, the one I posted on my social media that people were going nuts about. Um, and then also did some comedy shows. Did two shows uh, the night before Thanksgiving. That was awesome. Jam in the van. Amazing, cool little venue down here in LA. They seat a couple hundred people. I went to hang out at a couple of shows. It's really fucking cool. It was an amazing lineup. Um, you know, Skylar Stone, it's his, he runs the shows. He was also on the shows, but it's his. He produces them. Uh, Bobby Lee. Jeff Dye was on the show, uh, Doug Benson, and of course, Brett Goldstein, Roy, Roy Kent from Ted Lasso. That was really fun. Uh, it was nice to sit. I actually got to talk to Brett for a good minute about soccer because he is a big, obviously, a European football fan. He's a Tottenham Hotspur fan. I wanted to know what his real club is. He's from London. He's a Tottenham fan, big London club, who famously gets very close to winning and doesn't win anything. And I felt, I feel for that, you know? I'm like, oh, man. Like I, I was like, I, I feel you. Like I, I know I love Tottenham. I, I don't want them to beat my club, Liverpool, but... I appreciate, I respect the club, you know, and I was just like, man, I, I feel you, dude. And, and he was just kind of laughing and was like saying how that's where the, it's the hope that kills you. That line they keep saying in Ted Lasso, that comes from Tottenham, where Tottenham's always like that. We're like, we're so close if we can just do this. And the, that's that famous line where he's like, it's the hope that kills you. He's like, that's from, from Tottenham Hotspur. Because Brett was a, he's a writer on the show. He started as a writer on the show and got on screen. Uh, because he submitted himself as Roy Kent. He's like, look, I'd, I'd be, I'd feel like an idiot if I didn't submit myself. If you tell me to fuck off if it's bad, but I, I want to submit myself. And so he did. And uh, here we are. And so really cool to hang out with him. Really fun to hang out with Bobby Lee. I, I miss seeing him around. Such a fun guy. Great energy. Funny as hell. But just a really genuinely smart guy. I know he's silly. But actually, we did sat down. We did sit down for like 10, 15 minutes, have like a real chat. He was kind of asking what I've been up to, where I'm going, my plans for where I'm moving, why I left LA, why I don't want to come back. He agreed with me across the board. I don't want to put words in his mouth or say something that you know I don't want to air it out here. But just kind of saying he was he's very smart about the business, and it was nice to have a real conversation with him and hear him say some very nice things. And uh, that was just really good. You get that a lot in comedy, where you know a lot of times it sucks. And it's shit and you're doing these shit gigs with people that suck and you know comics can be backstabbers they can be pieces of shit but you know every once in a while you do these you have these nights where you're like oh yeah that's why i do this you know even hanging up in the green room we're all just having fun shooting the shit uh it's like me jeff die brett's on one couch and then two guys uh these two other younger comics who i've seen around the improv a lot just kind of hanging out and we're also all hanging out shooting the shit just laughing joking you know tagging each other's jokes or lines we're saying and at one point jeff just goes this is the best part of comedy he's like i miss this this is what it's all about and i'm like yeah you know coming from a guy you know jeff's done very well very successful big comic he's done extremely well for himself and so it's like even after that he's like this is what it's all about and it is got to have those nights to put put one in the win column so glad to do that. It was really fun. And by the way, Doug Benson, of course, was high as shit. I don't think I've done many shows with him over the years. I've never really like met him one to one like that. So that was cool to actually work with him. And he actually brought me up on the second show. I had to close the second show and Doug brought me up. And by the way, he was high as fuck and he nailed the name. Perfect. He even sounds like, hey, man, just say Holly B. I don't care. He's like, no, no, I got it. High as hell. Nailed the name. Great intro. So guess what? Host, you have no excuse across the country anymore. I mean, I know Doug Benson's a pro, 
but uh you know high as fuck you nailed it so no excuses all right that's kind of how things have been going around la i just and by the way as i say say how things have been dangerous here like i think twice today i've had those amber alerts going off on my phone and actually the last two haven't even been for like missing children they've been for like uh endangered elderly and i'm like who's even why are you even sending those out endangered elderly like go walk down the street that's all you see what are you talking about i mean there's ninety thousand homeless people here endangered elderly i mean which one which one are you talking about go down los angeles street or first street i mean come on whatever all right let's get into some finance stuff i just wanted to talk about how things have been going here it's been it's been good it's been good hope everyone had a good thanksgiving we had a nice little pump in the market the day before thanksgiving obviously markets are closed on thanksgiving and then they woke up on friday to take a big shit the dow lost a thousand points i believe let's check officially oh 905 no big the nasdaq down 353 s p down a lot let's look at percentages but again when you look at the percentages this is one of those things where it's like the markets have been running hot and it's like, you know, this looks like a nice little coordinated sell-off. It just looks like a little profit taking across the board. Like if you look down, I mean, I'm just looking at my own portfolio, but look at the major indexes. Down 2.53%, 2.23%, 2.27%. I mean, almost down the exact same numbers. It's all the big boys selling off the little bit of the top. Um, and even when I look at the stocks I've been holding, and I'm sure people that listen to this show hold some of these, because I don't know why you would listen to otherwise at this point. I tend to talk about the companies that stay, stay in my lane. I'll talk about random ones here and there, but for the most part, we stay with this disru- disruptive tech we love so much and it's a lot of the FANG stocks, although I don't own all of them, but I always say use FANG as a safety net for any time. Just anytime you have extra cash, you want to invest, and you don't know where to put it, go for the FANG stocks, particularly Apple and Google. Those are the ones I, I praise the most. But anyways, when I look at these prices, they still look good. You know, Amazon 3,500, NVIDIA 315, Square 212. I mean, I'd like to see that go higher and it will, but very attractive buy point for Square. Uh, 212, it, it hits hard resistance at 200. I picked up more at 211. It went to like 206, bounced back. It didn't even get to 200. It still might and break 200 even, but I mean, it does hit hard resistance. When you look over the last year plus, it hits hard resistance at 200. Uh, Tesla's still at 1,081. That looks like, I still want to get more Tesla. I do think Tesla's going to keep flexing their muscle. Um, I'm trying to get it closer to 1,000, but it's getting to the point where I might not care where I get it at because honestly at this point I just I want to be more aggressive with the my strongest convictions I've noticed that with a lot of big accounts like a lot of my more successful friends friends that have multi-million dollar accounts they stay in their lane you know I talk about that all the time but they really even narrow it like my main account is like 10 stocks but even then that's going to be starting trimming down till even less than that so I, I do want to get out of a few companies when I can but Really just want to spend, go heavier on the big three. Like maybe stay invested across these 10 or nine, whatever. But really just separate three or four that are really just ahead of the pack. Uh, For me, Tesla, Square, NVIDIA, maybe Palo Alto Networks as well in there. But for sure, Tesla and NVIDIA. Like it almost to the point where I was having a conversation with a friend. And it's like, we should just sell everything but NVIDIA and Tesla. You know, that's kind of, I'm not going to do that yet. I'll let you guys know if I do. But I do think Tesla will eventually eclipse both Amazon and Apple in market cap if they keep executing the way that they should. And if they do expand it to making a phone and with SpaceX and Starlink. I mean, if they do all this stuff, I do think that Tesla could eclipse them both. So I kind of just want to stay aggressive with NVIDIA and Tesla. And again, NVIDIA, it's like 
when you look at their omniverse versus facebook's metaverse it's night and day i mean nvidia is so much stronger but even still facebook's going to need some of nvidia's technology to build their metaverse so they're going to win on both sides but i just really want to lean into those just like and again i'll pick up a little bit more of the fang stocks really just amazon and google i don't own netflix i've been keeping an eye on it i do think Netflix is like the market leader for sure. And I have friends that own Netflix who are still like kind of worried about it. They're like, oh, I think I want to sell it out. And I'm like, don't just hold on to it. Like they've clearly demonstrated that they are the leader of streaming. There's no doubt about it. I mean, look at Disney. Disney popped and then fell right back down. Amazon Prime doesn't, I mean, it's fine. Paramount Plus is doing okay. They're, they're showing some promise. HBO, Showtime, whatever. But I mean, when it comes to streaming services, Netflix is by far the dominant player here. And I always say, stick with market leaders. There's always going to be a streaming service that's kicking ass and it's going to be Netflix for the foreseeable future. I do think Apple plus Apple TV plus, once they start adding more to their content, that's there, that it will, it's going to take a while. It will take a while, but I do think that's, that's the only real competitor that could take them down. Eventually is Apple TV and not even really take them down. They'll just compete alongside each other. I mean, Netflix is still going to do fine. But I do think if you're talking about who's going to really take market share, I do think Apple will do it eventually. Um, even that book I talked about a few episodes ago, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, I believe, he he mentioned even in 2009, he was like, Apple should be the next thing they should take over is the movie and TV industry. And it's like, holy shit, here we are. They got, I mean, look at what Ted Lasso did. They, they cleaned up at the, uh, at the Emmys. So it's not, hey, maybe I'll go big on three. Apple, Nvidia, Tesla, Square. Keep it to five. I keep expanding it. I think a top five is good. Like five is good. Like honestly, I think one of my one of my best friends, who's got a you know a big account. I think he only invests in five stocks. You know, maybe six. I think it's Striker, Amazon, Apple, Tesla, and Novonix. And I think he added Airbnb. Because of the Cash Pineapples episode, he also added Shopify. We never did a Cash Pineapple specifically on Shopify, but I've talked about it at nauseum. So he bought a chunk of shares of Shopify around the 1300s. So again, staying, but my point being, less than 10 stocks, multi-million dollar account, focus on what you know is going to win. You know, I, I it blows up. People keep taking profits too. And people always talk about like, I'm going to take a low off the table. I'm going to take a low. It's like, I get that. I get that. But I revert back to that Ron Barron quote that I love so much. Sure, you don't go broke taking a profit, but you don't get rich either. It's so true. The people that sold Apple after 100% gain or 200% gain. And those are great gains. I'm not sitting here batting an eye at that. I say that all the time. I'm not batting an eye at these massive triple digit gains. But what's possible is thousands of percent. That's what's insane. That's what's truly nuts. So it's like, I'm not saying don't take, you know, don't be mad at, uh, you know, making a thousand or a hundred percent profit, a 200% profit, but holy shit. As I'm talking about it too, I see a, an, an article on Barron's. It says Apple could sell 10 million iPhones this weekend. Analyst says the iPhone 13. Yeah. Estimates that demand is outstripping supply globally by about 15%. So neat. <laughs> I think again, if these supply chains can keep up, they'll, they'll make big money. But, uh, see another article. Ooh, Apple may have an AR headset, artful, uh, artificial, artificial reality, right? Yeah. AR headset for sale by late 2022. Augmented reality. Close enough. That'd be wild. I mean, it's all coming. It's all the metaverse shit. It's all this, uh, you know, 
other dimension stuff. They've been talking about that in comic books for forever, by the way. But now it's coming with this technology. It's kind of weird. Um, so one thing I want to talk about, too. I actually sold some stocks. Well, a stock. I sold one last week. Uh, I finally got out of Zillow. Fuck them. I don't care what happens to Zillow. I don't think their business is going to recover for any length of time. I don't want to get in and catch the pop-up, even though it's been beaten down. It's beaten down for a reason. Like, I've noticed that. Like, it's just, I, I've been kind of tracking Zillow and saying, hey, if you want to maybe play short play, see if you can catch a pop. It just doesn't seem to catch one. And I don't think it's going to. They clearly bit off way more than they can chew. They're not making the revenue they, they thought they were. They're vastly, they're not profitable. They're losing, you know, they're not, they're running all this, this massive website, this massive infrastructure to not make the revenue on home sales and then losing the ones they bought at the top. And what really was damning was I saw Kathy Wood sold all of about a thousand shares. Like Ark Invest only has about $50,000 worth of Zillow shares, which is the equivalent of honestly less than a nickel for most people. So really they don't, they don't have anything left in it. At one point at the beginning of the month, at the beginning of November, Ark Invest held 7.1 million shares of Zillow. And then she bought the first dip. She bought the first dip when it went down to like 60, 70. She loaded up again and then got out in the 50s. But this is why I'm out of the ARK ETFs. I've said it before in a couple episodes. I like Kathy Wood. I like following ARK and what they do. But I don't want to be married to all the decisions that they make. I was watching her do this with Zillow. I've watched her do it with Teladoc. She bought more Roku recently. Roku, I don't think is going to recover like they think it's going to. I sold most of mine in the 400s. I held onto two shares in my short account my short-term account, just for whatever. The same reason why Kathy would held onto a thousand shares for Ark Invest of Zillow. Just hold on to a chunk for whatever. If it pops, cool. But if not, whatever. She's buying more Roku, and I think Roku is 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 in a rough shape. I mean, I know they they're starting to work on original content. They got that Bill Burr sketch show that went up. They're they're trying to turn turn a leaf here. I get it, but they just have a very replaceable business model. They just run an operating system, which was good. It was the number one system in the U.S. and Canada. Still is. But it's it's a technology that can be very easily replaced as people buy another smart TV. As they buy, I mean, it's Black Friday. Roku is losing market share hand over fist today as people buy TVs that don't require a, 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 a hookup like a Roku. So I just don't see it happening. Kathy Wood's buying more. Cool. But it's, that's, why her, that's why the ARC ETFs don't move as much. You're seeing Tesla and NVIDIA and some of the other stocks in there do really well. Shopify. Um but then the, the ETF doesn't move because they're being dragged down by Roku, Teladoc, Coinbase, Twilio, <laughs> you know, all these things. So, but that's what I get for breaking my rule and during the dip, just entering to Zillow because I was like, oh, cool, it's cheap. I'll just catch it on the fall and ride it back up. Got greedy, didn't do my due diligence, and I got burned. I didn't put a ton of money to Zillow, but I lost 50, over 50% of it. So whatever, we'll make, we'll take the tax cut or the tax hit and live to fight another day. Zillow's also in trouble for fraud. So I got to fill out the fraud documents. I actually have to fill out this information to send to a law firm because they have a class action lawsuit about misleading investors with their iBuying program. So anytime I see fraud too, just get out of the stock for a while and see, just wait for the dust to settle. So uh, Zillow's going to have a rough road ahead of them, especially if they get any like sort of settlements they have to pay from this lawsuit. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm not, I don't want to be on the ride for it. So I won't be. <laughs> and I'm not so uh, but so exciting stuff things we want to talk about before uh, people get bored of me talking and, and want to get out of this episode <laughs> Novonix we've talked about it all year 
But some big news happened last week. They finally they opened up a factory in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the first of its kind. So they opened up, uh, and it's funny, U.S. Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm was there, who was former governor of Michigan. I know her very well. Um, so they opened this facility in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where they're going to produce high-capacity, long-life synthetic graphite anode material, basically batteries. And Novonics is the only qualified U.S. supplier of the material, which is used for lithium-ion batteries. So just take that sentence I just said. You know how much potential there is for Novonics. Novonics is the only qualified U.S. supplier of the material that's used in lithium-ion batteries. I mean, listen to that again if you have to, but that should be enough to get you into the company. We've talked about their ties to Jeff Don and Tesla, but this is just even more amazing. The fact that with this infrastructure bill that just got passed, tons of money is going towards EVs. And again, I love Tesla, but kind of like during the gold rush, instead of buying, trying to buy gold, just sell shovels. Don't go try to find gold. Just sell the shovels. You win. This is the shovel for the EV boom. Novonix is the shovel of the gold rush for EVs. They're going to supply everyone. They're here in the States. They applied for NASDAQ inclusion back in May. We've talked about that for every episode probably since. We talked about the Philip 66 investment. And by the way, the uh, investment for this production plant was about $160 million, which is almost the exact dollar amount that Philips 66 paid to acquire that chunk of Novonics. Funny how that works, right? And then even still, one of the uh, board members for Philip 66 is a Novonics board member. Uh, and I think, let's see, is there anyone else? Dr. Burns, Novonics board members. Yep. So they're adding some Philip 66 to the board. And it's just like, this is also a facility that was owned by GE. So nice to see they're repurposing the facility. But they're producing a premium synthetic graphite used for lithium ion batteries with a goal of 10,000 metric tons per year by 2023 and 40,000 metric tons by 2025. I mean, that, like, that right there from 2023 to 2025 is a 4x just in production growth right? 10,000 to 4,000 or 10,000 to 40,000 metric tons. So what? 2,200 pounds, 22 and change. So they're transforming the battery market and making sure that the U S doesn't have to depend on, you know, any sort of foreign nation to get all this, to get lithium ion or the, the, the materials for lithium ion. So kind of balancing out that that power grid, or not power grid, but that like energy distribution where you're not relying on oil as much. Hopefully this is taking over. Um, and again, I just I can't say enough good things about Novonics. I'm just trying to comb through this article and see if there's extra stuff I can pick up. But again, the things I just said should be quite exciting. I mean, just from Novonics own from Novonics's own calculations, they're looking at a 4x from 2023 to 2025 for this facility. So again, I know the stock is a little bit, it seems rich now. It's at seven and change. It's run up from, I mean, it's up 500% this year, but has one person on CNBC talked about it? Has there been one mention on Reddit or Wall Street bets? No, it's still on a foreign exchange. You have to pay a fee to buy it. It's not on every, it's not on uh, every um, exchange. I don't think you can buy it on Robinhood. You can't buy it on Webull. You have to buy it on like Schwab or Vanguard. Uh, maybe um, E-Trade has it. I'm not sure. Uh, but I know for sure the ones I mentioned, I know you can't buy it on Robinhood or, or Webull. I know that for sure. You can on Schwab if you pay the fee, $50 fee. 
Uh, but honestly, I'm looking at it this next week. I think the U.S. market's going to take a little bit of a weirdness, a weird, weird, be choppy for a little bit as we head into the end of the year and then have a nice little uh, pump into 2022. So, uh, but things are going to, you know, things have been happening. You know, they talk about these variants. I feel like they just say that sometimes and they take them to varying levels of degree seriously because they just, I feel like they just, um, they want to have buying opportunities. You know, I feel like anytime a variant comes out, I think all the hedge funds are like, cool, let's sell off like 3%. Hopefully everyone else sells off more. We'll come in and buy up the bottom and watch it surge back up. I feel like they're just going to keep doing that. So hopefully that's what happens here. But again, I think I might just put the rest of my available cash in my Schwab account into Novonics. I want to get it in the low six, seven, uh, low sevens. If it hits the sixes, I'll just say, screw it, pull the trigger. When I bought Novonics at $1.50, I was thinking $10 a share if things go the way they should. So we're getting close to that within a year, which I didn't think would happen that quick, but Hey, here we are. But at this point, I just have, a, again, going back to like, I just want to be stronger in the, the, the companies, be more aggressive in the companies. I, I have really strong convictions with and Novonics is one of them. So I haven't bought more since a dollar 50. It's now at seven something. So I might just say, screw it and raise my cost average a lot, but I just want more Novonics before things happen. Like if they do get added to the NASDAQ, if Tesla does acquire them or some other company acquires them more, I just see more big companies. Like I'm surprised an automaker hasn't made an, an acquisition yet. I'm sure that's coming. That might be why the stock is running up. I keep saying that someone must know something because this run up is crazy with no news, not being in the news at all and still running up like this. I mean, someone knows something. So I want to get a little more. We'll see what we can do in the sevens in this, you know, if we have to, whatever. Um, Maybe I'll just put put a bunch in there, and then I'll, I'll hedge it with a little bit of Fang stock, buy a little more Amazon. I did see that Goldman Sachs Amazon was their internet stock pick of the year for 2022, this upcoming year, for a lot of reasons. A lot of it had to come down to AWS, Amazon Web Services, thing that I've been saying till I'm blue in the face here, where it's like, hey, their cloud computing uh, is insane. They're making shit tons of money on that. It only makes up like 13% of revenue, but it's 60% of operating profit just shows you how much money they're making on it. Like they could lose money on Amazon prime just to get market share for other things and make their money back on AWS. The stock is worth it alone for AWS. I've said that at many episodes. So take advantage of any post pandemic dips. Uh, it's been consolidating for over a year. It's due for a breakout. If they do do a stock split even more so, um, yeah, and I'm not saying Goldman Sachs knows everything, but that's a pretty big, uh, bold, bold pick for them. And it's still the number one held company by hedge funds and hedge funds don't lose. So if you want to buy a little fractional shares of Amazon, not a bad idea if things keep going the way they are. Kind of a funny story too. This week, uh, last week, Citadel, the CEO of Citadel, which famously was the center of the news during the AMC Gia GameStop pump at the beginning of the year. They were the ones that were bragging about how much they had shorted AMC and Wall Street Bets had got Reddit had got a word of it and was like, fuck you, we'll take you down with your sh short position. And so they did. Um, and it cost Citadel tons of money. But like I said, Citadel's not going to lose. They're still around. They're still, I mean, Ken Griffin, the head of the CEO of Citadel, is still the richest man in Chicago. He threatens to leave every week because he wants to get more tax breaks and more shit for his company. But he's like, if you don't give me what I want, I'm getting out of here and you need my money. He's a piece of shit. But go figure. Why not? I mean, he also uh, last week he paid forty three point two million dollars for the an original copy of the Constitution. And what's even funnier about that story is he bit out a group of cryptocurrency investors. So he basically was like, "Uh, no, fuck you guys. I know you tried to squeeze me out 
with your whole Reddit thing, but I'm still a multi-billionaire, so you can get fucked. And he, I, I, this was a pure middle finger to that community. If anyone else was bidding on it, I don't know if he would have done that. I think it was a pure fuck you to be like, hey, you did all that shit, and I'm still richer than you, and I'm going to prove it. I think they were only expecting to sell it for like $20 million or something. <laughs> it's like crazy. I think it's funny. I mean, the guy's a piece of shit, no doubt. But it is kind of hilarious. Um, but I said that back in February. I'm like, they're not going to go down. I mean, they got tons of money. Like, yeah, they, they lost once. Okay. They win the other hundred. I mean, they make $40 million by the time they go to lunch. Right? When you think about the options, contracts, and plays they make and how much money they're swinging. Dude, it's insane. That's why when people see those houses and those apartments, like, who can afford this? Those people. I mean, Wall Street's run by a lot of folks. And they all live on the Upper East Side and Upper West Side in really nice places because they can make what their house costs before lunch. So like, oh, how do they afford a $50 million house? Oh, when you inside trade a $3 billion fund, it's not that difficult. (laughs) It's really not. Um, Same with like, that's why I get annoyed with Nancy Pelosi and her husband. Like, I think there are people that just copy their moves straight up and just say, yeah, we're just going to copy the Pelosi's. Whatever her husband does, we'll do. Um... (laughs) <laughs> he does a lot of options plays. I do want to get more into options. I know people listen to this show are trying to get into them. If you're on that Discord group I talked about, uh, I Cash Pineapples is now part of a premium Discord group through my friend Keanu Trades. If you don't follow Keanu Trades on Twitter, you should. It's a great account. Um, I'm sure you've seen a few of those guys on Twitter. There's a lot of these kind of guys coming up on Twitter and social media. But he's very good at it. Does a lot of knows his options. He does. He's an options trader. And trades on momentum and swing trades and all that stuff. Has courses, all that stuff. But the, the premium Discord is a really good source of information. There is a Cash Pineapples channel on there where I detail all my moves. I haven't wrote on there in the last two days because I didn't make any moves day before Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving, obviously, or today. I slept through the market, basically. I woke up at 11, market closed at like 10. So on the West Coast, it, it did at least. So... Uh, didn't make any moves the last couple of days, but if you want to join that Discord group, send me a message via Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and I'll send you the link to where you can join that group and you can see Cash Pineapples on there. There's other stuff you can do. You can take the courses on there and stuff like that, which I do recommend. I don't think he would steer you wrong. There are a lot of shitty options trading courses out there, but there are some good ones. And I've seen the screenshots of his account. I know what they're making. They're doing very well. So if you want to follow the courses that they took or what my buddy Keanu Trades took, 100% do that. I know like one of the uh, big guys on Twitter who does this is an account called Zach Morris or like the Deity of Dips. I think both those guys follow Keanu Trades are in the same circles. So, And Zach Morris has like over a half million followers. I think he's pushing almost a million followers now on, on Twitter. So um, you can get a lot of good information on Twitter. I, I follow certain financial hashtags on Twitter. Like I follow Square, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Tesla. I follow all those trending topics on Twitter. I'll randomly start. You can find a lot of information from people. Just It's insane how much free information there is out there now. I mean, this podcast included. You know, I do spend time researching this stuff and, and spend a lot of my time looking at it and seeing what where things are going. And I've spent years looking at certain these a lot of these companies and studying them and seeing how they operate, how they move, what Elon does, how it affects Tesla stock. You see, you notice trends. And so people out there giving this information for free, left and right, myself included. So I always say take advantage. You know, it's like if people just even on this show, if you just bought all the stocks that we mentioned when we mentioned them, you'd be up over 50% this year or close to it, you know. 
I think my account's at like 40 some percent, between 40 and 50% up for the year, probably a little bit less after today, but, um, and I haven't made a ton of moves. I mean, I've been quietly buying a couple things when things took, you know, a few dips here and there, but that's why I'm kind of trying to tell myself like, Hey, if you really have convictions in something, go for it. Cause I did that a lot last year and it made me, it made it well. It was well, it, it, I don't know what I'm talking about. I can't speak. It made, it made it well. Uh, no, I did well doing that. I was trying to not sound like a douchebag by saying it made me a lot of money. I was trying to say it, it went well. Um, and I just instead sounded like a moron. So I'm trying to get back to that. Now, again, 2020 was a year where things weren't normal, no doubt for the stock market. So you can't look at that as every year. So it's kind of why I was more apprehensive this year. Cause I was like, Hey, 2020 was a unicorn. That's not going to happen all the time. Don't expect the markets to be like that. And they have been a little choppier obviously this year, but there have been times where it's like, man, I really should have taken more advantage. Like in, in June, in February, um, I picked up a couple of things, but I didn't go as aggressive. But now I have certain price points in my head. Where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go aggressive on these stocks. If they take more uh, corrections. So, and those are the ones I'm looking at. I, I keep saying like, I'm looking at Adobe and Netflix, but I just, ha- I'm not going to be on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I, I haven't had as much luck with some of these newer companies. I'm trying to find entry points and do, do well with. I've, I've been good about calling them falling down without buying them yet. Like a firm Rivian Coinbase uh, Robin hood, but in Coinbase, I might warm up to, I don't know. I might warm up to Coinbase still, but, uh, just because they're again, market leader within the crypto exchange market. I know everyone's building a decentralized like crypto exchange, but Coinbase is, is, uh, by far the market leader. People don't want to move their money out of crypto. It's like, it's a hard thing to get people to want to move their, you know, thousands of dollars or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions out of their Bitcoin wallets or their crypto wallets. So, once someone's in with a company, they're probably going to stay there. And then whether the things are going bad or, you know, selling or buying Coinbase makes their fees. So I'm keeping an eye on Coinbase. It's, it's approaching that 300 mark about to go under 300. So I think, um, in the twos, I might make some, I think my initial price I wanted it at was like 250, And then it did actually go back down to that. And I slept on buying some, I kind of was lazy about it. And now it's back up to three. I know like the one year targets, a lot of the targets are for 400 plus, but, um, and I do agree. I, I think it can get there. I, I think Coinbase is a legit business to where they can get there. I just, I worry as, as more and more competitors come out, it's going to be a race to the bottom with fees. Like I say with Robinhood, where it's like, until you offer more services, you're kind of just a fee based thing. And I, I don't know if I like that long-term, like, is that a disruptive company? Is that, is that a business model that's hard enough to replicate? I'm not sure that it is. So that's kind of my, my feeling with that. Um, but if it gets to 250, I'll come in and, and pick up some. Um, but the other ones, I, I just, I, I, I'm ty- trying to now, like even in my Webull account where I do more short-term plays, I'm just buying stocks I have in my main account now because I'm sick of trying to find these other companies. Like, oh, I'll find the next one. I'll find the next one. No, again, just my theme, my, my investing strategy stays true to stay in your lane with what you really know and believe in. So now I'm buying like square in my Webull account and more Google and Apple. It's just the same shit I buy in my Schwab account. I just am putting it over there where if I need to sell something for cash, I'll just sell the ones in Webull first. So I don't touch the main account. So it's like, that's kind of my strategy. And, um, it's not the worst idea. I, 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 again, I flirt with putting more money in these other companies. Now I'll keep an eye on them. I'll keep talking about them on here, but I just feel like I really want to narrow my focus and, and just go heavier with the companies I really believe in. And so that's going to be the theme. I've said that a million times this episode. 
think I'm about to get out of here. Um, that's solid enough for today. I don't think there's any more news I want to talk about as far as the markets are concerned. Uh, but yes, appreciate everyone listening. It's nice to hear the text, you know, people text me saying things like, uh, you know, nice things. I also let people say like, ah, oh, fuck, I should have listened to you. I've been getting that a lot lately, especially about Novonics and from myself included. I'm like, shit, I should have bought more when I said to, <laughs> you know? So again, uh, I appreciate that more and more people are listening to this. Uh, if you are investing, like I'm sure people are, if you're not investing, I don't know why you'd even listen to this podcast. Um, so if you do like it, or you know, people are trying to find more information, send this to them. I do think it's helpful for a lot of folks. Um, so, and if you have questions, obviously keep sending them, uh, like to address any things people bring up. I appreciate the messages. Uh, what else you can follow cash pineapples on Instagram. I've been kind of lazy with posting on there this last week. Cause it's just been hectic in LA with the holiday and with some work stuff. So I've just been tied up, but I appreciate everyone listening. Thank you so much for saying kind things. It's, it's nice. And if nothing else, you know, doing this makes me better as an investor. So I appreciate you. Um, Wow, I'm getting too soft at the end of this. Maybe it's because of Thanksgiving. I don't know. It's Black Friday. Eh, fuck it. All right. Bye.